Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Friday, October 25th. We are but hours away from the Canucks returning home to host the Washington Capitals. A bit of a odd home game, as I believe they head out on the road immediately again after this. Just one quick night at home after kind of an odd road trip as well, geographically speaking. Maybe I'll talk more about that in the post-game report coming tomorrow morning. But in the meantime, with Adam Gaudette making his way down to the minors and joining the Utica Comets, I decided that it's time to take a look at that team that Gaudette is joining, and no better person to do that with than Corey Hergott. My guest today, let's get right to it. My guest today is uh, one of the foremost voices when it comes to following the Utica Comets and the Canucks prospects that play down there. You might know him as Comets Corey. He is Corey Hergott. Corey, uh, welcome to Locked on Canucks. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me on. It's my first time on your show. Happy to uh, be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about just your journey to getting where you are right now, because uh, what drew you to following the AHL team as closely as you do? Was it just sort of like a, a niche in the media that was not being covered the way you might like, or do you just love watching AHL hockey? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to make it kind of short for your, for your show here. Um, I'm a cancer survivor and, and, uh, I, um, kind of got onto the Canucks Twitter sort of a thing through a friend of mine that I went to high school with here on the Sunshine Coast. And I hadn't seen him, uh, for a number of years. Mike Warhurst is his name. And, uh, he kind of put me in, uh, you know, this is who you should follow on Twitter if you want to keep up on the Canucks and that sort of a thing. And, uh, through through doing that, I started following guys like Jason Botchford and 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 that whole kind of crew and and uh, you know I really kind of started to enjoy reading the Provies and and that sort of thing and I got involved with the whole Tron Army um, thing when that was uh, kind of a big thing a few years ago and um, did all the the old uh, photoshops of stuff with the Canucks team and and that sort of a thing and uh, that just kind of through that I kind of got to know a few of the other guys in the media like uh like Sat and uh Jay Pat and and guys and Matt Sakaris and guys like that who have uh kind of you know chatted up people on Twitter um you know that are involved in Canucks Twitter and uh eventually what I ended up doing is uh I sat down and watched a little bit of the uh Comets uh playoff run when they went to that Calder Cup final and oh, uh, Jacob thought, Markstrom was the starter yeah and I kind of thought you know the nobody in this market was really kind of covering the team that team all that much and I thought it would be something kind of fun to help me uh keep my brain busy and uh kind of another way for me to enjoy hockey and I ended up reaching out to uh JD Burke at the time he was the managing editor at uh, Canucks Army and this was at the end of the season. And I, I said to him that I was thinking about starting my own blog and, and I was going to do post-game reports on the Utica Comets and um, asked him if he had any advice for a guy, uh, you know, trying to get a blog going, how to get people to read it and that sort of a thing. And uh, and uh, Dylan, just he kind of said to me, are you seriously going to sit down and watch like every Comets game and do post-game reports? And, and I said, yeah, that's kind of my plan. And he said, well, leave it with me and I'll see if I can find a place for you at Canucks Army. And I uh, didn't really hear from him over the summer. And then uh, a couple of weeks 
uh, before training camp got underway, he uh, shot me a message on Twitter and said, hey, if you still want to do this Comets thing, um, you can do it for us. And uh, so that's what ended up happening. So my first season covering the team was uh, this is well, this is my third season now that I'll be covering the team for Canucks Army. And uh, I'm doing a little bit this year as well for Canucks.com. So it's been a, a kind of a, a quick um quick rise for me I guess I, I wasn't expecting this kind of stuff uh, this early on or even at all doing this like I've had access to uh, to players through the team I've been able to go to training camp uh, through Canucks Army and through Canucks.com and, and interview player players and coaches and and that sort of a thing and it not not necessarily anything I was remotely expecting when I when I proposed this to uh to JD and uh, you know, it's taken me, allowed me to do a bunch of different things. I never thought I'd get to do. Um, I don't know how many people get invited by uh, uh, a prospect's parents to attend their first NHL game with them. But I got to do that uh, with uh, Zach McEwen's folks. I sat with, uh, with them for his uh, NHL debut and it was a pretty special thing for me to, to be there for that. So that's kind of my, uh, in a nutshell, that's how I, how I uh, started covering the comments. That's uh, that's amazing. That's like a really inspiring story, especially like, did you have any sort of journalistic background at all before you had the inkling to want to write about the comets? No, none whatsoever. I was always a car guy before um, I, you know, I played hockey. I enjoyed hockey um, and that sort of a thing. Uh, pretty much every job I ever had uh, at one point or another, I had a boss saying to me, Hergot, get back to work. I'm not paying you to talk about hockey. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not I, I'm not rolling in dough in, in the bloggers dollars here, but I am getting paid to talk about hockey now. So uh, that that kind of feels pretty good for me. Oh, that's incredible. And I think one of the most in, in, amazing things about what you've done is that you're not just the Comets guy in Vancouver. You are one of the key Comets guys in Utica now, it seems to me, where you would think there would be, you know, maybe not a, a, an enormous amount of coverage of the team there, but certainly, like, that's their local team. There should be a bunch of voices, and yet you're regularly uh, doing big-time media hits with them as well. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, the guys in Utica there, Raid and Scoop on uh, K-Rock, they've been really, really good uh, to me, giving me a platform in that market to uh, to talk Comets. I'm I'm going to be a regular on their Comets Insider show this year every Monday, so that's going to be kind of fun to do that. And uh, yeah, Ben Burnell does a fantastic job covering the team in Utica for the Utica Observer Dispatch. And uh, there's another young guy in our market here now, Cody Severtson, who's uh, he's been covering the team. I I know since last year anyway. I'm not sure previous to that, but. Uh, he does a nice job of that as well, and uh, he's got an, a little bit bigger platform now uh, through, I think, Fear the Fin or Sin Bin or something like that. Um, so that's good. It's good to have more people talking about the Comets. I think it was an underserved uh, area in this market, and uh, it's good to have more people talking about the team. Uh, last year, things didn't necessarily go uh, the way many people wanted as far as uh you know, how the prospects were deployed and, and developed and that sort of a thing. But, uh, you know, this year they've got a, a completely different look down there on the ice and the coaching staff has done a pretty nice job of keeping everybody, uh, everybody on the roster active. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about the team then, because they have been uh, dominant to start the year. I don't think there's any other word for it. And the thing that really jumps out to me, Corey, when I look at the box scores at the end of the games, because I have not shelled out for the uh, the AHL viewing experience as of yet. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I just might before the year is done, but not as of yet. When I look at the box scores, the thing that jumps out to me is that this team seems to have enough scoring depth that it is not being carried by that quote-unquote NHL first line. Like, yes, Adam Gaudet is heading back down there. Sven Berchi and Nikolai Goldobin are putting up points. But I feel like if that trio was not on the team, and Gaudet has not even joined the team yet, uh, there would still be enough depth on this team as far as scoring punch to be one of the top AHL teams even without those guys. Yeah, I put out a tweet the other day about that about just that fact that the team, even if uh, like if Sven or or Goldie end up getting called up or or uh, traded to another team or or something along that lines, they'll still be able to ice a very competitive roster there. And and one thing that I'm I'm really really uh, happy about right now is the fact that. Uh, uh, you know, I've heard Trent call in a couple of interviews saying that, uh, you know, it's great that the team is scoring all these goals right now, but he kind of wishes he could bank some of those goals for later on when, you know, when guys start to dry up a little bit. Now, they can't really do that, obviously, but they can bank points. And, and right now, while they have guys like Goldobin and Berchi available to them, the team is, you know, they're making hay when the sun is shining here. They're uh, They're piling up points. They haven't lost a game yet. Uh, they're, you know, they're dominating teams that have in the past uh, that they've had some trouble with. So, uh, you know, it, it won't always be like this this season, but uh, it's great that they're taking advantage of the fact that they've got, uh, you know, all these uh, all these bullets in the chamber right now. They're using them. So I, I think that's fantastic. A great way to start the season. Well, it seems like one of the issues with the Canucks at the moment is that, you know, all of these uh, UFAs that they've gone out and signed, guys for the bottom six, so on, etc., have kind of created a logjam that boxes out younger players from perhaps making the roster, as we've seen with Adam Gaudet getting sent down uh, earlier this week. Is that the case, though, with Utica right now as well? Because as all of these bodies from the NHL roster bleed down to the AHL, you'd think it would create a similar logjam in the top six. And look, it's been a story over the last couple of years already that, you know, the young prospects that the Canucks should be developing in Utica are not necessarily getting the chances that they might, uh, I don't know if deserve is the right word, but, you know, that's that's the point of having a developmental system, right, is to play the young kids. Are guys like Cole Lind and, and Jonah Gadjevich and your Lucas Yasics and, and other guys like that getting lost in the shuffle a little bit with all these veteran bodies down there? No, not as of yet. And uh, I kind of, I don't want to say dispute that um, that theory, but I have a little different take on that theory. Um, my first year of covering the team was the was Zach McEwen's rookie year, Jalen Chatfield's rookie year, uh, Guillaume Brisebois, Alex Dau, um, Griffin Molino. I think those were the those were the rookies that season, and all of those guys saw minutes up and down the lineup. All of those guys saw some special teams work. All of those guys, uh, you know, they got opportunities to play. Uh, what ended up happening is a guy like Zach McEwen uh, took the, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns and he ran with it. And he, you know, he stole a spot on the number one power play unit in the net front role and he didn't give it back. That's the thing that uh, 
that uh, people that maybe didn't watch the team last year maybe didn't understand is guys like uh, Cole Lind and uh, Jonah Gajevich, they weren't really ready for, you know, full-time, prime-time minutes uh, on an AHL team. They they both have said as much in, in interviews that uh, the jump from the, from, you know, the, the CHL to the AHL was a lot bigger than they expected and, and it was uh, a lot for them to handle. By the end of the season, those guys uh, had taken big steps in their game and they were getting minutes higher up the lineup and they've jumped right in from the start of this season and they are getting those minutes again. Cole Lind is out in the, in the final minutes of games. Uh, he's on the only forward line that's been kept together uh, right from the start of the season, all five games. Boucher, uh, Carter Camper, and Cole Lind have been a line. Um, all the other lines have seen a little bit of change here and there. So a guy like Cole is getting primetime opportunities right now, and, and this year he's able to take advantage of that. You know, he's got, uh, what, seven points in five games. So, you know, he's showing that he can hang with a guy like Boucher now this year, whereas last year, uh, early in the season, he just didn't have the confidence to play uh, with guys that far up the lineup. Lucas Yashik's a little bit different. Uh, right from the get-go last year, he was moved around the lineup. He, he spent a good part of the... Uh, good chunk of the first part of the season on that first uh, first line with Tanner Caro and Reed Boucher. Uh, he's, he saw power play time all last season. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy that didn't really get robbed of minutes like, uh, like we heard a lot of people suggesting last year. It didn't go the way guys like uh, Petrus Palmu and Jonathan Dolan wanted last year. Um, there were obvious... Uh, issues there between the players and the coaching staff it seemed uh those were the only two players that i've ever heard uh say anything out of utica about the coaching staff maybe not communicating as well as they could um all the other guys that i've spoken with that have had success on that team um under that coaching staff they rave about how you know the coaching staff communicates with them so i mean last year bit left a bit of a bitter taste in some people's mouths uh with the coaching staff as far as they go. And, and I think this year uh, things have kind of turned around a little bit in that regard. Hopefully people will kind of see a little bit more about what's going on down there. Like, uh, you know, Josh Tevez rookie player, he's uh, leading the league in plus minus right now on, on defense. Uh, Brogan Rafferty rookie defenseman starting off to a great start. Uh, Olio Levy still a rookie having a good start to his season. Uh, you know, so we've got some young players here. Michael DiPietro, he's 2-0 and on the season. He's had two starts. He's won them both. Wasn't as busy as Zane McIntyre has been in his games, but he's, you know, he's showing that he can handle games at this level. So, so far this year, with the depth that's been added to the team, uh, you know, the young guys have some nice insulation around them and maybe a, a better skill set around them to help them grow their games and bring them to the next level. I think there's like, you know, you could look at a pattern with uh, Dolan and um, Petrus Palmu and Anton Rodin before them as well, that maybe like it, it was a little bit more difficult uh, on guys uh, who, uh, from from Europe, like European forwards uh, were, were having some trouble with this coaching staff, perhaps. But I think, I mean... It, it probably speaks well to the Comets, or, or at least absolves them somewhat of that accusation when Dolan goes to, you know, the Barracudas and has the exact same issues in another organization, right? 
Yeah, and, and I think it's it's that's just kind of the way it goes. Like, uh, I, I would never say that the coaching staff is doing everything right down there. I've never said that, and I won't say that. Uh, I think there's always room for improvement on any team. But I don't think there that the coaching staff is maybe quite as uh, as as bad as as many kind of thought they were last year. I think a big part of it is just being informed on the team and the fact that there's more people kind of covering the Comets now. I think that kind of helps spread the message around a little bit more. You're getting a, you know, a few more opinions and a few more voices on uh, on what's going on down there. It's not kind of just one or two guys anymore. So I think that'll help, uh, you know, kind of help people understand. Um, things on that end a little bit better as well but it is nice to see the team off to uh to a good start I was a little bit concerned when you know they had a lot of points walk out the door from last year Tanner Carroll was second on the team in scoring Brendan Gauntz was right up there uh Tom Pyatt and Brenda and uh Darren Archibald I kind of combined those two together because they were traded for each other um you know those two together they put up points last year so uh, the fact that the team's doing well this year and, and sure Boucher's, you know, being Boucher and, and ripping up the league and, and Goldobin and, and Berchi are piling up the points. But we've, we, we see that Zach McEwen is still playing at over a point a game. Cole Lind is over a point a game. Justin Bailey is at a point a game. Uh, Lucas Yashik has four points and five. So we've got good players here that are still young enough to make a difference in this organization who are getting you know, big minutes and they're, and they're uh, putting up points. Well, I was going to ask you about Zach McEwen because I know uh, you are a big fan of the big fella uh, and, you know, obviously have a special connection, as you mentioned, getting to uh, watch his first NHL game with his parents, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure a hell of an honor. Um, what, what, what role has he kind of fallen into this year? Because as I mentioned, all those NHL bodies going down to Utica, there's not as much room in the top six as there probably would have been in years previous. Um, is that, I know it's not affecting his production in the early going, but is he a third line guy right now? Like where is he slotted in with this added depth? Well, that's just kind of it right now. If you look at uh, at the makeup of, of the lines that Utica can throw out there, I'm hard-pressed to kind of point at one line and say this is the first line, this is the second, and this is the third. You, it's fairly easy to pick out the fourth line on the team. <laughs> um, but the first the first three lines, I mean, if, if you if you have Yashik, uh, Goldobin, and Berchi on a line, that's, that's the top line on most teams. But then the Comets can throw out Boucher, Camper, and and uh lind well boucher and camper both put up over over 50 points in the in the league last year that's that's a number one line on most teams then you've got justin bailey and probably adam godet and zach McEwen tonight on another line uh that's a first line (laughs) on most teams and uh trent calls kind of been one of those uh kind of been one of those guys that likes to roll four lines so um you know, with a team like this, they've got four lines that can beat you up on the scoreboard and then that, or sorry, three lines that can beat you up on the scoreboard and another one that'll beat you black and blue along the boards. So they've got a, a really good makeup to this team. And I don't know that anybody's really kind of lacking, you know, so much for minutes at this point. Is Justin Bailey like the guy that people might be sleeping on a little bit here? Because I don't know what his upside might still be as an NHL player, but uh, at the AHL level, he certainly seems to be doing a heck of a job at the moment. And it's not really somebody that, you know, was talked about really at all. I feel like that that signing was like 
completely glossed over when it happened uh, in the summertime, and, and he's off to a heck of a start here as well. Well, I think he's kind of been a kind of a little over half a point a game guy at the American Hockey League level, and there's nothing wrong with that because he he brings uh, he brings a lot to the table. He is ridiculously fast. I mean, you hear people say, "Oh, he can he skates well for a guy his size." Bailey is is six four, uh, like two ten ish somewhere around there, and he blows by guys that are fast skaters. So uh, he, he's not a guy that's just, you know, a good skater for his size. He's just ridiculously fast, and he knows how to use that speed. Um, him and uh, McEwen have played a couple of games together now, and you can see some chemistry building there, uh, you know, where they're kind of coming up with some set plays. Zach dump a, dumped a puck in deep uh, that looked like it was going to be an icing call, and, and Bailey was on his horse, blew by the defender, and was the first one to the puck. And they ended up with a scoring opportunity out of it. And, and stuff like that goes a long way on a team that over the last few years hasn't really had, uh, you know, a bunch of speed in the lineup. Michael Carconi was there. He was ridiculously fast, but he was often kind of outskating his uh, his line mates. He didn't really have all that many guys there with him, you know, that were keeping up to him. Bailey now, you put him out there with Perron and, and McEwen like they have over the last couple of games, and, and you've got three guys who can skate really well. And, uh, you know, when two of those guys are 6'4 and, and over 210 pounds, you're, you're putting the other team back on their heels. So, yeah, Bailey's a guy that I have a lot of time for. I, I think he's going to uh, show well this year. He's played a uh, power play. He's played the penalty kill for them as well. So uh, that's a guy that's getting all situations minutes. It's nice that the team has the ability to spread that all around the lineup and still get guys like McEwen and uh, Lucas Yashik as, uh, you know, staples on that penalty kill now. Uh, well, when we talk about guys, uh, you know, with NHL pedigrees who are, you know, plying it down uh, with the Comets at the moment, uh, one of the guys that we don't really talk about in the same sense as a Sven Berchi or Nikolai Goldobin, because he doesn't have uh, an NHL game to his credit as of yet, but certainly uh, probably would have played a number of them last season if he had been healthy, is Ollie Ulevi. And I've heard a lot in the early stages of the season about how this has been a bounce-back year for Cole Lind, as you mentioned. He looks more confident. He's putting up points. He's progressing the way you would want a second-year pro to progress. I haven't heard a lot about Ollie Ulevi and how he's done so far to start the year. Um, and I guess I would not only ask you how he's been doing thus far, but also uh, how soon do you see him kind of uh, making his NHL debut? I kind of see uh, his NHL debut coming in the second half of the season. Uh, I'll preface this by saying uh, all all of this comes from a conversation that I had this offseason with with Trent Call about Ewell Levy. The injury that he suffered last season that ended his season uh, was similar to the one that uh, ended Evan McEnany's uh, season the year before. And it took uh, Evan McEnany well into the second half of last season before he was really it's before his knee was really up to par to be able to actually play his game. And. Cole told me he's kind of expecting something similar out of Ewell Levy this year because of the injury being uh, so similar. So uh, in my mind, and just kind of from what I've seen early on, I think the knee, although it, it's allowing him to play, he's healthy enough to, to get out there and play. I don't think his knee is, you know, up to snuff to where he can go out there and go all out and, and do the things that he would normally be able to do in a game. 
I think that's why we're still seeing him getting burned on, uh, like he's been burned a few times on the power play where he's the last guy back and uh, he just, he can't get back on his horse quick enough to, to catch up and break up a play. Um, so on that end of things, I think, uh, you know, the skating is going to be a little bit of an issue for him for the, you know, for the next, you know, month, month and a bit at least. Uh, but the rest of his game, his outlet passes, his stretch passes have been absolutely fantastic this year. He's had a couple that haven't worked out that have kind of gone against him, but he's uh, he's definitely stretched the ice really well for the Comets and able to take advantage of, you know, you've got a guy like Justin Bailey who can blow by guys in the neutral zone like they're standing still, and uh, he can pick up a stretch pass from Yule Levy uh, at the other team's blue line that's a good use of the ice to get the, get that puck out of the zone quickly. And, and he's been able to do that, but he's also really impressed me with his defensive side of things. Uh, he's been blocking a ton of shots. They've been using him on the, on the penalty kill as well. Um, he started the season with, with Ashton Sautner on his right side. And when Sautner got called up, uh, they put him back with uh, Jalen Chatfield and that's who Yul Levy played with all of last season until I, uh, uh I think it was Chatfield broke his foot first. So uh, those two guys have played together. They play well together. So I'm kind of wondering if when Sautner gets back in today, he ends up maybe on the pairing with Josh Tevis to really, you know, that would really give the Comets three solid uh, defensive units that can match up against, you know, anything the other teams are going to be throwing their way. So for Yule Levy, I think if we're patient this year and, and we're, you know, we we're mindful of the fact that he's still working through this injury, no matter what, uh, you know, what the team says or, or what an agent says or whatever, he is still working through this injury. So I'd say second half of the season, we'll probably see him getting a look. Uh, I've been saying kind of since last year that I think Ashton Sautner is really their most NHL ready defenseman at the moment a guy who can step in and play and not really hurt you. Um, I think Brogan Rafferty's probably not too far off if they need a guy from on the right side. I'd love to see Jalen Chatfield get his uh, first NHL look because, uh, you know, I think if he keeps his game simple and just plays the game that he plays in Utica, I think he can uh, have some success in a third-pairing role if needed. And I have all the time in the world for Guillaume Brisebois still as well. I, I think... Uh, you know, he's been paired this year with Brogan Rafferty and the two of uh, really, they look like they're building some chemistry. They're playing well with each other and off of each other. And uh, Breezebois just, uh, he's steady. He's, as long as he's got confidence in, in his game, he's, he plays well and so far so good this year. Well, Corey, we uh, acknowledged earlier the the narrative around the team last year, the last couple seasons that, you know, maybe prospects aren't playing as much as they should be. And it's a lot of uh, AHL veterans taking up spots down there. That does not seem to be the case at all this year. You know, I, I think back to, you know, following the Manitoba Moose when that was the farm team back in the day. And it would be a very similar situation to the complaints that we heard from years previous, where it would largely be a veteran lineup of AHL journeymen and a, maybe a sprinkling of, of prospects here and there. Just from the list that you just rattled off, especially on the back end, it seems like almost every defenseman on this team is a genuine NHL prospect. And you could probably say that at about a good half of the forwards as well. So uh, it seems like, you know, this is a team uh, that is actually doing the work of developing prospect players towards the NHL, contrary to what we might've heard last season. Yeah. That's kind of my take on it too. And, and 
you know, maybe this is what uh, what it looks like when it, when your NHL team has depth. You, you know, you have a, have guys like Berchi and Goldobin who are heading down to the farm, uh, desperately trying to make their way back to the NHL. And and while they're doing that, they're providing a heck of heck of an example for young guys like Cole Lind and Jonah Gajevich, who had their own adversary adversity to face last year. And, you know, this year they get to watch how these two players, uh, you know, how they battle back to the NHL, how they show up at the arena every day, how they're professional, uh, you know, away from the the arena as well. And I think all of that kind of goes a long way into showing that, uh, you know, there's this team is headed in the right direction. Maybe didn't go, you know, as, as quickly or, or in the fashion that most of us kind of had wanted to see. But uh, there's definitely some positive signs, you know, right now with this organization. One last question before I let you go. We've heard a bunch of positive things this year about uh, Cole Lind taking that step to be uh, a pro player this season. What about Jonah Gajevich? Uh, where's he at right now? Because that is one guy that I have not heard very much about so far this year. Well, he's played three of their first five games. He uh, he left halfway or partway through his uh, third game with an injury. Uh, it's an upper body strain is what they're calling it. Uh, speaking, uh, with somebody kind of in the know, I think, um, I am fairly confident in saying he'll be probably ready to play again next week, but won't be uh, available this weekend. Um, he's looked good in his games. He scored his first goal in that game that he ended up leaving. Uh, so he's got one goal, one point here in his first, uh, three games towards the end of the season last year, it took Jonah a while to get going, but once he kind of seemed to kind of get it it looked like he got it. You could see him kind of getting to place. He's not the most fleet of foot. So he's kind of challenged in that regard. He's not going to, you know, outskate too many guys to a puck. So he's kind of had to find maybe more efficient routes to get there. So he can maybe get there a little bit more quickly. Uh, but he was playing his game uh, last year towards the end of the season. Uh, the kind of game that he played in junior when he would just manhandle, uh, other players along the boards. It, it took him a while to kind of figure that out last year. You know, you go from out, you know, he was a 19 year old kid, six two, you know, 212 pounds or whatever. It's pretty easy to bump a 15, 16, 17 year old, you know, 140 pound pimple face kid off the puck. <laughs> it's not as easy when you've got, uh, you know, 28, 29 year old grown men who have, you know, wives and children at home that they're trying to feed and maybe still want to have a shot in an NHL career. And, oh, they're six, four and two thirty five. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a difference. And, and Jonah had a little bit of trouble figuring that out early on. But uh, you could see as the season went on, he started to get it. And last year, I mean, his game isn't all about dropping the gloves and fighting, but that is part of his game. And uh Jonah didn't pick his spots last year. He tangled with some pretty big dudes and, and he fared well. Uh, I kind of started calling him the Jonah, the jackhammer because uh, he gets his right loose and it's, it looks like a jackhammer. He's just banging away with that thing. So he's a guy that uh, when he plays his game, uh, he's effective out there and he's been able to play that game, uh, you know, in his last handful of games at the end of last season and through his first couple uh, this year as well. Well, Corey, uh, appreciate your insight as always and the work that you do to uh, keep this market educated on what's going on down there on the farm. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Much appreciated. Come on anytime. That's the show for today. You can find Corey Hergott on Twitter at Corey Hergott. That's Corey with no E and Hergott with two 
Tease. He is an invaluable source of information on all things Utica Comets, and you will probably be hearing from him again on this very program as the season rolls on. I will talk to you tomorrow to break down everything that happened in tonight's game between the Canucks and Capitals. Looking forward to that. And uh, as always, as I've been saying all week long, uh, if you want to do me a solid, you can do so by heading on over to wherever you get this podcast from and leaving me a review, whether that's in the Apple Podcasts uh, app or anywhere else. Uh, giving me that review kind of gives us a little boost in the algorithms, helps people find the show. And uh, if you enjoy this show and you enjoy listening to it every day or most days anyways, uh, that's how you can repay me for uh, all of this content. I am providing. Just all I want is a review in the podcast store. That's it. That's all. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so. Thank you so much for uh, everyone who's done that already, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the program, and I will be back to do it all over again tomorrow, as I mentioned. Until then, I am and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.